0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermons Podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayers that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would, just bow your heads with me and have a moment of prayer while the pastor gets ready. Lord, we love you. And we need you. And that's why we're here. Without your forgiveness, we surely would be above all others to be pitied and lost. Help us. Teach us. Help us to hear. Guide us. Give us the strength to do what is needed to do, to celebrate forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Once again, good morning and welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. We are so glad that you are here. Um, We're so glad to have so many people in person. And I hope that you guys that are joining us online this morning can tell the difference in the camera quality and also the angle. We hope and pray that this helps you feel like you're actually here. We look forward to the day and pray for the day and are working toward the day where you can physically be here. But even those of you we've never met that are joining us online, we're so thankful for the opportunity to talk to you as well to lead you into the presence of God. And that is what we do here every single Sunday morning. I try to say it out loud because sometimes it just feels like going through the motions unless you remember why you're doing the things you were doing. And we come here every single Sunday because God is worthy of our praise. And because we need to connect with Him. And we need to connect with others. And that's why we pray. That's why we sing. That's why we take communion. That's why we give. That's why we walk through God's Word with anticipation that His Holy Spirit will do something in us that makes us more like Jesus. That's what we're doing here this morning. And thank you for joining us, whether you're joining us online or here. We're excited for that opportunity. This whole summer we've been remembering together that we as Christians have always got to put each other uh, first. We've got to put God absolutely first. But his favorite way of us expressing our love for him is to love others. And especially those that can't love us back. And he's got a special part in his heart for those people as well. And so we've been remembering that together. And I'm so thankful for all of you who are choosing love, who are choosing unity above all else. And I I just want to say, because somebody asked us about this recently, I I don't want to derail this sermon into this, uh, but if you see a lot of people not wearing masks here, that's not a statement we're trying to make. We're not trying to peer pressure you into not wearing them. And if you are wearing one this morning, I applaud whatever choices you are making to protect yourself, those you love, even strangers. And we love that. Uh, it's a complicated issue. That's all I'm going to say about it. But I don't want you to feel intimidated. If you're if you feel like you need to put it back on, put it on, put it back on right now while I'm talking to you. We're not trying to tell you not to. We just want to give you freedom. So just in case that feels awkward, I just wanted to say that out loud. We love everybody. We're so thankful that you're here. But let's move on. Uh, Talking again, as you've heard, we're talking about forgiveness today. And forgiveness is a hard thing, but it's 101 level Christianity. It's something that's right at the heart of God. In 1956, Nate Saint Jim Elliott and three other missionaries were slaughtered by some indigenous Ecuadorians that they were reaching out to um, and trying to share the gospel with. And that story kind of, in that era, it kind of went viral. That wasn't a thing then, but all the print media, Christian and secular, everybody knew this story. It was a big deal. And the church found a lot of inspiration that, oh, that's what it looks like when people are actually willing to give their lives to share the gospel with others. That's what that looks like. And, And everybody else was just mystified, like, wow. And you had people lining up on both sides. excuse me, just like on most issues. Wow, that was so dumb. They wasted their lives. They had so much potential. And other people going, hey, this is what we're all supposed to do. But the really amazing thing that happened in this story was not so much that five guys were willing to take a risk to share the gospel. But what happened next? After they were killed, their wives and their families moved in with the Waldani people. They became part of their community. And because of that forgiveness and that daily choice that they made to live with them and share the gospel with them daily, almost the entire group, almost the entire Wadani people became Christians. Not only did they welcome them into their community, but they were able to join the family of God. That's what forgiveness looks like. From a biblical perspective, forgiveness and reconciliation are about the same thing. From a biblical perspective, it's not just something you do in your heart. It's something you do and then you make daily choices the rest of your life based on what you did then. But here's the thing. We all live in the present. We all live right here, right now. And I know you, like me, and like every other human being, we all have things in our past that we are tempted to look back on and either glorify or demonize. And sometimes we get stuck by that. Am I the only one? Has everybody ever got stuck in looking back? <clears throat> okay, so I'm not sure if you're nodding that I am the only one or you're nodding me too. But either way, I think we're on the same page. I hope so. So here, here's the thing. We, we look back and we go, man, if only things were as great as they were in, for example, high school. Man, I owned the world in high school. Everything was great and everything was wonderful. And then right next to you is somebody who's going... I don't think I'll ever be happy because things were so bad in high school. My life is just wrecked. Are are you with me? And and, and we look back and we either look, we define ourselves as victims or we define ourselves as heroes that are now fallen or whatever else based on something in the past. And that's, that's just not the way it really works. Where we actually live is right here, right now, not in the past. And a lot of us do the same thing with the future. And we go, man, one of these days, things are going to be amazing. One of these days, things are, I'm going to get my act together. One of these days, it's going to be so great. A lot of people say, hey, it doesn't matter how I live my life right now, because one of these days, I'll go to heaven. Then I'll work things out with God. You, you know what I'm saying? And what a stupid way to live your life. What a waste. What a waste. And, but at the same time, a lot of us look at the future and we go, man, things are never going to get better. We are stuck. There is no new normal. There's no nothing that's going to be great ever again, and I just give up today. But again, we live here. We live right now. The changes, the choices that we make right now can affect the future. C.S. Lewis says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I love that, I love that. Let's say that, I'm only gonna say that one more time. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And that's what forgiveness does. So much of what God does in our lives, so much of what he asks us to do, so much that he does for us is that kind of thing. It's happened in the here and now. And whatever has happened before, good or bad, it, it doesn't erase that, but it deals with it head on and it changes the ending of this story. Forgiveness. I can't think of one thing that God does for us or asks us to do for others that's more dramatically an illustration of how God does that. That's how it works. We do something right now and then keep doing it, and that does change the ending of our stories. So as we've been looking through the prayer of Jesus, we've been remembering that God is like a a cosmic GPS that always knows exactly where we are and how we need to get to where we really should be at any given time. We've been looking through him saying, we come to God as our father in heaven, that we want his name to be praised, that everything we do is about building his kingdom. That's why we can trust him to meet our daily needs. And now we get to where we are today. Forgive us. ...as we forgive others. This was the only one of these themes, by the way... ...that when Jesus was done teaching that model prayer... ...that he went back and said... ...oh, by the way, in case you missed this... ...let me make sure you understand what I said. And this is one of the clearest... ...and scariest verses in the Bible. He says, if you forgive... ...those who sin against you... ...your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse... ...to forgive others... Your Father will not forgive your sins. So as we resync ourselves daily with our Heavenly Father, we must daily make sure that there is nothing separating us from Him. That's part of this daily process. We've got to make sure that there's nothing that's between us. That this connection, have you ever been anywhere with your phone and, and there's just like a spinning wheel or there's no bars or whatever it is that's on your phone, but you're like, ah, I can't get a connection. Are you with me on this one too? And it's so frustrating because we rely on it, especially if you're following by GPS. That's what happens when we disconnect from our heavenly father. If there's something between us, We can't hear him as clearly as we need to every single day. We can't even have a hope of being forgiven or being being connected with him in a way that we're actually going to accomplish his will on earth. So, part of the process of surrendering him to him every single day, of rethinking ourselves with our Heavenly Father, has got to be this process of forgiveness. And there's two sides of this one is horizontal. I did that backwards. One is horizontal, us forgiving others and others forgiving us. And the other is vertical, as us being, dealing with God and Him forgiving us. When it, we're dealing with God, we must confess and repent our own sins daily. When we're dealing with everyone else, we must forgive others. We must choose love and choose unity daily. So this process is it, it is a process. It's not just one thing you do. This process of forgiveness, again, it's all, pretty much the same thing as reconciliation from a biblical perspective. It's a process. It's something you do over and over and you work through over time. But here's the first thing we've got to remember. We've got to get this through our heads and our hearts. So let's say it together. We must forgive to be forgiven. One more time. We must forgive to be forgiven. Paul writes, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I love reading through the epistles or the letters that the apostles wrote in the New Testament when they say, remember, they're almost always saying, by the way, I'm actually quoting Jesus at this moment. And this is one of those times when he says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. He's saying, hey, by the way, remember, Jesus talked about this. This is super, super important. Well, Nate Saint and his friends, they reached out to the Waldani people and they were willing to risk their lives. And then their families were able to move in with them because they saw the image of God in these people. They didn't see them as a project. They didn't see them as someone other than them. They saw them as fellow human beings, fellow people that are eternal beings trapped in physical bodies, trapped in space and time just like we are, people who need the gospel as much as we need it and are capable and welcome it to join God's family as we are. They just said, this is, just, this is not even an issue. We have to do this. Nobody's reached these people before. Was the image of God broken in these people at that moment? Yes. Was the image of God distorted? Was it even dangerous? Yes. But if we're honest with ourselves, the image of God gets pretty broken and pretty distorted and pretty dangerous in us as well. Some of the worst things that have happened in history actually came by people that were choosing, or claiming at least, to be Christians. They were choosing to call themselves Christians whether they were really acting that way or not. And that has done anything but give glory to God or glory to His name to build His kingdom. It's actually torn it down. But people who have, cho- who have claimed to be Christians forever and ever have made his image tarnished. And this is, that's, that's, so, that's something that can happen to all of us every day. I guarantee you it's happened in my life. It's happened in your life already. It could happen again. We've always got to do that. Is the image of God in every single person? Yes. Is it perfect in any of us? No. But we, as God's people, we have something that the rest of the world doesn't. We have the ability to re sync ourselves with our Heavenly Father daily and to go through this process. And that gives us hope of actually changing little by little, of Him actually making us the kind of people He wants us to be. Jesus said, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come, I'm sorry, do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Again, uh, he talked about this a lot. When they quoted him in the epistles, they were referring to several different things, not just that first one we started with next to the prayer and in that prayer. So it's pretty important that we understand what Jesus was talking about when he said forgiveness. When he was saying the words forgiveness, he didn't just mean saying, oh, it's okay. Because forgiveness is not denial. Forgiveness is not apathy. Forgiveness is not saying, oh, it's okay. That thing that you just did to me is not that big of a deal. It wasn't all that wrong. That, uh, and, and if you're forgiving me or if we're going to God and we say, God, please forgive me of my, uh, my, my sins. All of us are far too tempted, far too often and guilty way too often of actually kind of, we don't, may not say these words, but we're basically saying, God, you owe it to me to forgive me. So please do. You, you and I know, God, that what I did really wasn't all that wrong, Right? But hey, if, it's, if you say it's wrong, can we go through the motions and can you forgive me? That is not forgiveness. And that kind of a prayer is not going to get you forgiven by God. When we confess our sins, we surrender to God's authority to define what sin is. We surrender to God's authority to punish what sin is. And we surrender to God's authority to forgive sin. When we come back to our Heavenly Father, to our Heavenly King, and we ask Him to forgive as we are forgiven, we are saying you are the only one who can define what sin is and what sin is not. Which things are okay and which things are not. Which things are right and which things are wrong. Only you. You make the rules for me. And if I've broken any of those or if somebody else has broken them against me, I'm trusting you to take care of that. I'm trusting you to forgive, to punish, to do whatever you see best. I'm asking you to forgive me. But it's your call because you are the king. And we're trusting that the only person who can forgive us, who can actually restore us and change us, is God himself. Is this making sense? Are you guys... I want to make sure this is connecting because if we miss that, we miss the whole thing. God did not say hey, you know what, Um, I love you guys so much that I'm just going to say, all that stuff I said not to do, just go ahead. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son to die and take the penalty of our sin and then to rise again so that we could have the chance to live again and live a completely different life. Sin was a very, 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 big deal to God and it still is and it always will be we've got to remember that so that leads us to the second thing that has to happen daily as we rethink ourselves with God let's say it out loud together admit that what's wrong is wrong and again I'm talking about what God says is wrong what I personally have a problem with is not that big of a deal What you personally have a problem with or don't have a problem with is not what we're talking about when we're talking about sin. We're talking about what God has a problem with. We're talking about what God says is sin and what God says needs either punished or forgiven. He makes the rules for us. The Apostle John writes, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. I don't think any of you are physically here today or joining us online today, I don't think any of you are at a place that you are wanting to call God a liar and say that his word has no place in your hearts. If you were, I seriously doubt you'd be here, that you'd be joining us in any way whatsoever. I'm pretty sure that's not who we want to be. But when we say, hey, I'm not sinning at all. There's nothing wrong here. Everything's good here. And we just assume that, we, and if God says, hey, this is not okay, and we go, yeah, but I think it is, so we're good. That is not an option for us as followers of Jesus. If there's ever been anybody who, in all of the stories we have about him in the Old Testament, showed us what it looks like to be completely sold out to God and completely broken and sold out to sin, it's David, King David. But from his moment of complete brokenness and sin, he also showed us what real repentance looks like. And I encourage you to read the entire Psalm, Psalm 51, uh, soon. Today, if you would. Go back and read the whole thing. Here's part of it in the middle. But as I read these couple of verses, I want you to listen to his prayer and see what he is seeing and remembering in his darkest, most broken moment. He's remembering that not only does he want God to not punish him anymore... At this moment, he'd already been punished pretty hard. But he's saying, I want you to transform me. On the other side of this, I want you to make me new. And I'm trusting that you're the only one who can. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Once again, don't have a lot of time to go there, but that's one more example of how God's vision is always that he transforms us and then it expands out. That it, we, what we go through, what we do is designed so that we affect the world around us. So this personal restoration, this personal recreation that David is asking for, he's saying on the other side of that, I'm going to be someone who's not only new, but able to bring more people to you. Again, that's what forgiveness is in the Bible. That's what, it's it's reconciliation. It's fixing things. It's changing things. It's restoring things. It's not just admitting what's broken. It's making a real change. Now here's the hardest part of forgiveness, in my opinion. But this is what we have to do next. Let's say it out loud together. Oh, I, I skipped one. I'm sorry. I skipped them. You're right. S- slides people know, know what. They, I skipped this one. This is important. If my people, this is God talking. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. What a wonderful promise. Here's what we need to do. We've got to say it out loud. Trust God to do the right thing. One more time, trust God to do the right thing. Now that sounds kind of, well, well duh, right? He's God, he's always gonna do the right thing. But this is, this is the hardest part of forgiveness because when we forgive, we're basically handing God back the reins to punish or deal with whoever hurt us. We're saying, God, I trust you to punish them or forgive them or do whatever you see best. I am not going to take responsibility to make sure that they pay for what they did to me. It's setting ourselves free from any kind of responsibility that we might think we have to do so. It's setting ourselves free from being trapped by that. Life can't go on until this thing is fixed. But it's mostly trusting God. It's trusting God to be God. It's saying, hey, I need to forgive others so you can forgive me. That means this thing has to go so that you and I can deal with what needs to happen next in my life. (sighs) Okay, it's yours. And that's hard, isn't it? Even though we all believe God is good and we believe God is just and we believe that it's his right to forgive or to punish as he sees fit, when when we feel like somebody's got to pay for this one, man that's hard to trust him to do the right thing but that is what forgiveness is now these principles that we're walking through today is are actually they work in so many different directions they work in the direction of us sinning against god there's always some things in our own hearts in our own heads in our own lives that other people don't even know about that have to be dealt with with god maybe they haven't affected everybody else yet but they definitely affect you and god These things apply. We must admit that they're wrong. We must admit that they are wrong and that we need God's help. And we come to him asking for forgiveness, trusting him to do the right thing to us. But it also works with the sins that we're trying to forgive for others. And that's mostly what we've been talking about so far this morning. When we try to forgive others, we've got to go through this process. We admit that what they did was wrong. We don't try to justify it just because we love that person, just because we value them. God values them and loves them more than you ever will. But he still says that that behavior is wrong, that your behavior is wrong, that my behavior is wrong. Our attitudes, our choices, they're wrong. And we've got to own that. That's not right. That's what Jesus was talking about, that we don't judge or condemn others. We're not writing them off as a person. We're not labeling them as a sinner and therefore cutting them out of our lives. We're saying this thing that they're doing or that they did to me, this thing that I have done, maybe every day for a long time, is wrong and I'm handing the reins back to Jesus again. That's where there's hope. For forgiveness, This also happens when we try to do God's will in the world. There are things that are wrong, that sin has broken in this world... ...that maybe you personally didn't do, maybe I personally didn't do... ...and yet as representatives of God on this earth, we need to do something about. And when we wade into those situations, this, all these same things apply... ...and so do these verses we're going to look at together. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Paul writes But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Which leads us to the next part of this process, the other side of reconciliation, the part that God's been hoping, why he's willing to do whatever it takes to make forgiveness and reconciliation possible. And that's that we, as his people, need to do the right thing. Let's say that together. Do the right thing. I'd like to remind you of C.S. Lewis's quote. Same quote. Because this is just so powerful. And we've got to remember this. As we start to turn a corner and start to wrap up this morning, I want to make sure uh, that as we try to get practical about this, as we try to apply this to several specific situations, I want to make sure you can remember this. You can't go back and change the beginning. That applies to your life, the things you have done, the things other people have done to you. It applies to American history. It applies to a global pandemic happening and a bunch of different ways to react to that. It applies to every single thing that we've ever dealt with, everything we're dealing with now, everything we'll ever deal with. You can't go back and change the beginning of the story. But you can start where you are and you can change the ending. And that's the hope. That's the responsibility that we have. One of the voices I've been listening to a lot lately is a guy named J.T. Thomas. Jonathan Tremaine Thomas usually goes by J.T. He has an amazing website that I highly recommend called civilrighteousness.org. Amazing uh, stuff because like most activists that you would hear today, he's reminding us of several things that are just true. They're not opinions, they're true. Factual, hard truths about our history, about the realities of living life in America as a black person. Things that a lot of us really have been unaware of, just not really understood for a long time. What I love about this guy is he is a really strong believer, fifth generation pastor, and he is calling the church to do something about it. He's asking the church to remember that God's dreams for the world are put in our hands. That he's trusting us to change things. God's God's not, his hope is not politics. His hope is not anything else. His hope is this group right here. You and me, his family, his global family. Maybe all it has to do is to start with what Paul calls mourning with those who mourn. Have you ever comforted somebody and you don't understand what they're tore up about, but you just comfort them? Uh, anybody who's a parent has done that with, with their own kids. If, you, if you're close enough to someone that they would cry, literally cry on your shoulder, that you know what that's like. You don't have to understand their pain to be able to just make that first step and to listen to their pain, to comfort them. That's something that all of us could do. We can also, all of us, we can extend fellowship. To everyone, the people who love us, the people who hate us, the people that we think are a lot like us and the people we think are not like us. In any category, I'm talking about beliefs. I'm talking about culture. I'm talking about the languages we speak. I'm talking about what we look like, what we eat. I'm talking every direction. When you, we can we can change what we do right now, and it can affect the future to actually create reconciliation in every part of your life. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your friends that used to be your friends and really aren't your friends now. I'm talking about the people that you don't talk into right now because you don't like what they said on Facebook. I'm talking about people that are of a different ethnicity or a different anything at all from you. I'm talking about this is how it works. Forgiveness and restoration are a hope and a responsibility for God's people you with me? You understand? Jesus actually gave us step-by-step instructions on how to restore Christian relationships. Um, There's a whole sermon on that you can find online. Uh, Basically, everything in Matthew 18 has something to do with how to do that. Basically, the bottom line, if you're dealing with another Christian, it, it, it basically goes like this. You go straight to them. The second you have the problem, you deal with it right then. Other passages talk about not don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. To deal with it right now. In your anger, do not sin, but deal with it right now. Go talk to that person. And then in Jesus' process, it it kind of, if that doesn't work, then you go and you get somebody else. Little by little, you add a few people. And the final, the final step is you treat them like a sinner or a tax collector. But I love to remind people: how did Jesus treat tax collectors and sinners? With love and respect. He's just saying, okay, so you're not a believer anymore. So you're not playing by the same rules I'm playing with anymore. I get it. Wow, that breaks my heart, but I get it. But I still love you. Now we're right back at the beginning. You've got the same starting point that you had before you came to Jesus in the first place. And I'm still going to treat you with respect and love no matter what you choose to do. Like the shepherd in Jesus' parable about a lost sheep, we also must seek for the lost sheep. We also must reach out to those who are far away. It's not ours to say whether it's their fault or not. I'm pretty sure in that story it was that sheep's fault. But the point is somebody's missing. We've got to go look for them. It's not okay for us to just go, hey, I like the group we've still got here. Let that person be. They were wandering away anyway. I guess they didn't want to be here. That's not okay. We've got to step into that. But let me warn you something. Forgiveness in any way, if you're trying to forgive somebody in your family, a friend, somebody in this church, if you're trying to forgive yourself, if you're trying to forgive someone who you believe has hurt you or a group of people that you believe has hurt you, one way or another, it's going to cost you something. Just like it costs God something. Forgiveness, real forgiveness, always demands personal sacrifice. But again, this works if you're a sinner, if someone else is sinning against you, or if you're trying to work into God's will into a sinful situation, something that sin broke, something that sin tore up. So let's go back through these big ideas as we wrap up now. And and I, I, want, you, I want this to get really, really practical this morning. Because I really want us to, as we're capturing this video, I think we're starting to get this. That this is this way of approaching God is so much bigger than a prayer that we recite. This prayer that we, we it's a lifestyle. The Lord's prayer is a process, a daily process where we come to God, and we remember that He is King, not us. He makes the rules, not us. We are here to make His name be glorified. We are here to make His will be done on this earth. We are here to restore and to build and expand His kingdom and in that we can trust him to provide for us in that we can trust him to forgive us and to help us forgive others and this is one again if we don't he won't so let's say these one more time together we must forgive to be forgiven this is non-negotiable this is just the will of god let's say this one together admit that what's wrong is wrong And again, that's not what you think is wrong, what I think is wrong, what somebody else thinks is wrong, and therefore we're so scared of offending them that we're going to say it's wrong too. We're saying it's what God says is wrong is wrong. Third one, let's say it together. Trust God to do the right thing. Again, that's probably the hardest one of all of these, and they're all hard. But we've got to know that if God is going to forgive us, he has every right to forgive others. And if God's going to punish others, he has every right to punish us too. And if God has has the right to tell somebody else that they've got a responsibility to fix something, then he has the right to tell us that we have a responsibility to fix something as well. So the fourth one, do the right thing. If If you have sinned, if you've sinned against God, If you've sinned against some other person, confess it. Say out loud that it's wrong. Admit it and ask for forgiveness. Don't don't choose apathy. Don't just write it off. Don't deny it. Don't pretend it's not a big deal. Own it and accept forgiveness and the healing and the restoration that's on the other side. If someone has sinned against you, same process. Own it. Admit that it's a big deal. Admit that it hurts. Admit that it's broken. Admit that God himself said it was wrong. But then in obedience to God, give him back the reins. And I know for a fact that as I'm saying this, every single person in this room, if you're listening still, you know there's a specific situation in each one of your lives where these are there. Every one of us has sinned somehow. Every one of us has been sinned against. And if you are being called into dealing with uh, something else in the world. And honestly, these issues that we're facing right now, they're not brand new issues. They're just, they've come into the spotlight again. And I I think there's, there's too many of them for each one of us to all deal with. But if God is calling you into dealing with a specific issue, you need to deal with that. And I think he wants all of us to deal with all of them in some way or another. So one of the ones that's on my heart personally, one of the ones that I'm personally trying to do something about is the idea of racial reconciliation. And I've got some very simple ideas about how we could do that. Number one, a lot of these came from J.T. Thomas and other Christians that I've been listening to. Number one, if you work with someone who's from a different background, different culture, different language, different religion, different anything, just make friends with them. Let it start there. You don't have to rearrange the entire world, you just make friends. If you work in real estate, we can't go back and fix redlining or some of the other terrible things that have happened in our past. But if you have any way that you have some influence over your own community, you can make sure that there's justice and equality today. We have people in our church that are law enforcement officers and they're wonderful, godly people. If you have anything to do with the law, it's your responsibility to make sure that it's always handled with justice and with equality. That's, That's something you personally can do. If you're in any kind of authority at all, if you're teaching people, if you are talking to people, you're raising your own kids, you have the responsibility to tell them the truth about everything. Not just this, but about everything. You have the responsibility to teach your kids to rethink with God every day and show them what that looks like by example. As we close this morning, I want to just remind you something of two things about Jesus. Two images that I hope that you can see. And they're both Jesus. The one that we tend to think about the most and the one one that we keep coming back to is Jesus hanging on the cross, praying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. I love that image. That's amazing. But the same Jesus also cleared the temple. And I love, if you read that story, every single account, every single one of the people who told that story as part of their gospel, they included the detail that he wove that whip. This was not Jesus just getting mad and wandering in and yelling and cussing and being angry. It took him a long time. He went out and bought the leather. And he sat there and planned this whole out. He didn't hurt anybody. It wasn't actually violent. In movies sometimes it looks like he's like pushing people and shoving people. He's cracking the whip to drive the animals out. He's pushing over tables, pushing over things. He's fixing the problem and he's taking action. But in his anger he's not sinning. Jesus did not lose it. Jesus did not freak out. Jesus did not just go crazy. He very carefully, very intentionally got ready and did what he knew God was calling him to do. And whatever God is leading you to do this morning in any direction, that's what you need to do. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus this morning. Some of you need to take some time as we stand and sing in a second. You need to be, maybe not even singing, you need to just be praying for forgiveness right here, right now and working things out with God. Some of you need to repent and be baptized. Some of you need to dedicate your life to crossing cultural lines as a, as a missionary like Steve Saint and all of those. Maybe he wants you to give your life up in that way. Maybe he just wants you to spend your life right here, right in this place. But do it with capturing this vision that we are here to do his will every single day. Maybe you would like to join our church because you realize that this is a church that at least aspires and is trying our best every day to live this out. And you'd like to be part of a team like that. Whatever God is asking you to do this morning, I ask you to take that first step. What you do today can't rewrite the past. But what you do today can change what happens right now And what you do today, and then again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, it really can change the future. Let's re-sync ourselves with our Heavenly Father. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.